There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Living life as a gringo Where you question Where you fit And every time you mingle They say you do this With not enough that My rapping is really bad <laughs> This life as a gringo Yes Hello and welcome To another episode Of Life as a Gringo I am Drombos Of course And man Today We're going to talk about One of my favorite topics To discuss And that is money And not Not in the sense of having an obsession with money. I don't like talking about money because I, uh, you know, view it as as sort of, you know, the meaning of life is to get rich and this, that, and the third. But money because it's something that I was really intimidated by for so long, right? Money was something that was always, you know, uh, a, a rare thing for me to have. So I hated talking about it. I was scared of it. I didn't know what to do with it when I did have it. I, I think there's so many different men uh, complicated relationships that a lot of us have with the idea of of money. And for me, it's been a, a really interesting sort of challenge and and part of my my growth in general to redefine what money means to me and and to redefine my relationship with it, you know, and create a, a healthy relationship with money, um, you know, so that I no longer am, you know, paranoid about not having enough or or not sure what to do with it or or I don't whatever your your own little take is. I know for me, 
I've always had this paranoia of like when I spend it on something, even if it's like an investment or if it's something to repair my home, whatever it might be, I get like this, you know, uh, man, this, this just like feel like a cold sweats, right? And the anxiety that would come along with it. And I, I've begun to get a lot better with it and and have a better relationship uh, with, with money and understanding that, you know, these things are going to happen. That's what having savings is for, right? Savings is just to hoard it just so you can look at it and never have to touch it, right? That's why you put away rainy day money and, and this, that, and the third, right? And I'm rambling on a little bit because I think money has so many different uh, sort of facets to it and and avenues that we can get into. And that's why I love having various discussions about it, particularly because many of, of the people in our community, you know, were, were struggling for a long time, especially when you talk about previous generations. And uh, oftentimes, you know, my generation is the first to actually be able to think about wealth and generational wealth and investing and all these different things. And these are all new conversations oftentimes for our community as a whole. And specifically for today, I wanted to talk about having enough, right? And what exactly that means when it comes to money and and the idea of does money in fact make you happy? What actually makes you happy? What about money makes you happy, right? Because I think most of us can can recognize the fact that money alone doesn't make you happy. And and a lot of this is sparked by uh, a, a TikTok kind of back and forth that I had with with someone who um you know this is no no shade or anything like that to them they they uh have, have been very complimentary of my content but their argument was that every Latino you know essentially needs to be driven and focused by money right now and and I was making a counter argument to trying to find balance so that's essentially what we're going to talk about today so we're going to kind of mix things up a little bit in the order of the show or ask a good and go segment I'll read some of those comments from uh that that person that we were having this back and forth with. And then I want to do a bit of a deep dive into um, some work of therapists, as well as uh, an interesting article I found uh, uh, based on a, a book that's out there um, where they, they talk about, you know, uh, finding the perfect balance, essentially finding fulfillment when it comes to money and how much is enough and how do we find out what that is for us. And again, a lot of these things are really personal, right? Like, what might be enough for me may not be enough for you, or it might be more than enough for you, right? So a lot of these things are 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 kind of, we're going to have to listen and get the information and then determine what it means for us. But I wanted to put that out there because I think there is this sort of back and forth that always happens about, you know, the current climate of the world we live in right now, hustle culture, and like, get out there and make money. And, you know, uh, that's all that matters right now. You got to get ahead. Capitalist society that we live in, this, that, and the third. And I know I've talked about this to a degree on various episodes, but I'm going to tackle it from a, a different perspective today and and really talk about where that fulfillment lies. Like, what is that particular sweet spot that that people find where they they have enough money, you know, um, and, but they're not killing themselves working, you know, just to accumulate more. I mean, we've seen, you know, certain billionaires like it just seems like they're obsessed with the idea of collecting more and more. And, and it's probably because they lack a lot of fulfillment in their life. Right. Or haven't had the time to do that inner work on themselves to really see what it is that they're chasing rather than actual money itself. Uh, now I'm rambling on, so I'm going to just dive into this because I think I have, a, I have a lot to, to kind of say about this and uh, we'll, we'll talk in the Mijente segment about a bit of my opinion. But but first and foremost, let's kind of start with our Ask a Gringo segment uh, in regards to this conversation I was having with, uh, with someone on TikTok. Ask a Gringo. All right, so I, I had posted a clip 
from an older episode. And I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was essentially talking about capitalism and the society that we live in that tends to fool people into thinking they need more of this, more of that, right? And my argument was that we're not actually chasing wealth. We're chasing the freedom that money gives us, right? And uh, let's see, at ASMA5NYC, um, we, we had like a, a cordial back and forth on, on TikTok. And, and he said, money, or should I say high paying income should be the only thing on young Latin person's mind if they don't come from money. No income, no change. And, and I had a, a counter argument to that saying, you know, success is relative. Establish what matters to you but bust your ass to get it and then make the goal living a balanced life from there, right? And there was a lot more back and forth, but I think that that's the main gist of, of where this topic of conversation comes from. Again, you know, him saying money and a high paying job should be the only thing on a young Latin person's mind right now. And and listen, I get it. You know, I I, I think that there is some some truth to that, right? Especially when you talk about Latinos in, in America and and you know, uh, many of whom our our parents have immigrated here for a better life, you know, there's not a lot of us sitting there at the top of the totem pole in that 1%, right? And we are are underrepresented in, in, you know, high paying jobs oftentimes, right? So to that, I agree. I think, you know, we come at a disadvantage, especially if you grew up in a particular area, you know, a quote unquote urban area, where the schooling wasn't the greatest, the housing wasn't the greatest, right? The area itself wasn't the safest, you know, and, and your parents were just struggling to get by. So I, I, I get that 100%. I think that we haven't had the opportunity to create the generational wealth I think that, um, you know, he, he's talking about here. And, and to a degree, I get that. You know, I think for me, I am in a completely different place than my parents were, you know, and, and that's because of my, my hustle and taking advantage of the opportunity that they laid out for me. But I think that if if we just make hustling for the sake of hustling our only focus, we're going to be incredibly unfulfilled and, and, and unhappy, right? And that's my, my counter argument to, to all of this, right? I think you have to, of course, hustle. You have to bust your ass. But there has to be some sort of end in mind. You can't continue the, the endless sort of, you know, uh, burning the, the candle at both ends. You can't keep that up for but so long before you eventually, you know, burn yourself out entirely. And at the same time, I think many of us don't establish what we're hustling for. We, we rather, you know, end up just participating in consumerism, right? We, we get the higher paying job so we can get the fancier car or the nicer house, you know, or the designer clothing and um, the flashier vacations and lifestyle. And listen, you know, all of that is, is, you know, great in, in moderation, but if it becomes the sole purpose why you are participating in this rat race of, of capitalism, you know, that's where you're beginning to steer yourself wrong because none of those external elements actually bring you long-term happiness, right? And that's my point at the end of the day. You know, I know a lot of people who make a lot of money but work jobs that, all, that they complain about every day, right? They just bitch and moan about how much they hate their job, but they're driving a fancy car and living in, you know, a high-rise apartment and, and, uh, they're they're thinking that that was supposed to give them happiness, and they're not sure why they're not finding that happiness of fulfillment. And again, it's because their priorities are out of place, right? They're 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 at a a job working forty plus hours a week, spending the majority of their time there, or at least you know the majority of their time uh, w- with this place in mind, and then thinking that you know the you know little time they get to spend in that apartment or driving that car around is is going to offset the 
majority of their life being filled, you know, doing something or being somewhere that makes you unhappy. And that's just not how how things work, you know, and that's that's kind of what I want to get really clear on. Now, listen, I worked the jobs that I hated or jobs that I wasn't you know, fond of. I would be DJing, you know, gigs that were absolutely awful, but I was just collecting a check. I did all of that stuff, you know, but I had a goal in mind always. Right. For me, it was never about just collecting checks and and trying to buy more things. And, and don't get me wrong. I have, you know, certain consumerism tendencies and, and I've loaned money in the past. But I think where I am now and, and when I look at like the last few years, what has gotten me here, I, I hustled and busted my ass with an end game in mind. And I think that's what the, the gist of it all is. Now, before I kind of get into more details into to my story and, and how I've kind of adapted what I believe to be a healthier mindset when it comes to money, let's first do like a bit of a deep dive uh, in, into what some of the experts are saying and and what, uh, you know, what is kind of the proven science behind real happiness, right? And and the idea that money um, alone can't actually make you happy. So we'll do that in a segment we call for the people in the back. Say it louder for the people in the back. All right, so I first want to start with our deep dive, referencing an article from theguardian.com. I'm not going to get super into it. I will put the link in the show notes for everything I talk about today, but I just thought it was an interesting kind of baseline to set. And this is a therapist, and the the article is titled, I am a therapist who is super rich. They are as miserable as succession makes out. And I think he's uh, referencing the, the TV show Succession. I've never seen it. But uh, I thought there were some, some really interesting points that he made. And this is by Clay Cockrell. And the quote that I pulled from this as a, a basis for what we're talking about today, he says, quote, many billionaires I work with have trust issues, lack a sense of purpose and struggle with shame, guilt and fear. Now, I think these are all things that we all struggle with, uh, regardless of how much money is in our bank account. I just thought this would be an interesting way to kind of kick off this conversation of, of showcasing the rich elite, right? The people who have uh, more money than than I could ever dream of. And, and and I'm assuming probably make more money than most of us listening, right? They themselves uh, are incredibly unhappy. And this is being spoken about by their therapist, right? So it, it proves the idea that money alone does not make you happy, right? So I want to make sure I set that baseline. I didn't want to dive super into it because I can't relate to the life of a billionaire. Um, I don't think many people can. So I, I wanted to talk on a more practical uh, level. And, and I found this really, um, it's it's a chapter from a book called Get Your Money, The Missing Manual. And it's from O'Reilly.com. And I'll, again, I'll put the link to sh- in the show notes for you to check that out. You can pick up the whole book. But the 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 chapter um, that I'm referencing, they, they talk about, quote, you don't want to be rich. You want to be happy. Although the mass media has convinced many Americans that wealth leads to happiness, that's not always the case. Money can certainly help you achieve your goals, provide for your future, and make life more enjoyable, but merely having the stuff doesn't guarantee fulfillment, right? And and I, I think it's kind of like, duh, we, most of us know that, but there's always this argument like, you know, and, and I've been a part of that where you see celebrities, and you're like, oh, you're living out your dreams, you're, 
you know, living in a mansion, you're doing this, you can, you know, do whatever you want in life and you're still unhappy. How is that possible? Right. And, and again, it's just proving the point that money alone does not buy happiness and fulfillment. Now, they go on to, to pull some some quotes here from uh, from psychologist Ed Diner and, and Robert Bywis Diner. Right. And they say, quote, it seems natural to assume that rich people will be happier than others. But money is only part of psychological wealth. So the picture is complicated. And this comes from a, uh, a, a, a book I believe they did that was published in 2008 called Happiness, right? And in this chapter, they go on to say, there is a strong correlation between wealth and happiness, the authors say, quote, rich people and nations are happier than poor counterparts. Don't let anyone tell you differently. But they note that money's impact on happiness isn't as large as you might think. If you have clothes to wear, food to eat, and a roof over your head, increased disposable income has just a small influence on your sense of well-being, right? Now, they, they give you a, a bunch of different a, examples here, uh, and, and I, I thought that it'd be interesting to kind of put it in practical sense and, and read some of what they said. They said, to put it another way, if you're living below the poverty line, $22,000, Fifty dollars annually for your income for a family of four, and this is you know when the book was written in two thousand nine. An extra five thousand dollars a year can make a huge difference in your happiness. On the other hand, if your family earns seventy thousand dollars a year, five thousand dollars may be a welcome bonus, but it won't radically change your life. So yes, money can buy some happiness, but as you'll see, it's just one piece of the puzzle, and there's a real danger that increased income can actually make you miserable. If your desire to spend grows with it. But that's not to say you have to live like a monk. The key is to finding a balance between having too little and having too much. And that's no easy task. So uh, essentially, I mean, as we all know, once you hit a certain, you know, threshold of money, a couple grand is, of course, as I said, always welcome. You'll take it. Why not? But it doesn't have a profound impact on your life. Right. And and. It's easy for those of us who are struggling, and I was struggling for so long, to to just feel like if we had a little bit more, we would be incredibly happy and 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 satisfied, right? And I think it's not until you begin to get to a place where you're a little bit more comfortable financially that you realize that a lot of your issues are still there, right? And they're not solved by the fancier clothes or the fancier car or the house that you live in, the area that you live in. A lot of that requires internal work and and getting to the bottom of the things that truly make you sad or, or bring on a depression or leave you feeling unfulfilled, right? And this leads into what, what I think is the most powerful part of this chapter that I'm pulling here. It's something they call the fulfillment curve. And the fulfillment curve has four sections, right? First section is survival. And they say in this part of the curve, a little money brings a large gain in happiness. If you have nothing, buying things really does contribute to your well-being. You're much happier when your basic needs, food, clothing, and shelter are provided for than when they're not. And the second part of this fulfillment curve is comforts, right? After the basics are taken care of, you begin to spend on comforts, a chair to sit in, a pillow to sleep on, a second pair of pants. These purchases, too, bring increased fulfillment. They make you happy, but not as happy as the items that satisfied your survival needs. This part of the curve is still positive, but not as steep as the first section. And then the next part of the fulfillment curve is luxuries. Eventually, your spending extends from comfort to outright luxuries. You move from a small apartment to a home in the suburbs, said, and you have an entire wardrobe of clothing. 
You drink hot chocolate on winter evenings, sit on a new sofa, and have a library of DVDs. Obviously, this was written a few years ago. <laughs> uh, they go on to say, these things are more than comforts. They're luxuries, but they make you happy. They push you to the peak of the fulfillment curve. And then the last part of the curve is overconsumption. Beyond the peak, stuff starts to take control of your life. Buying a sofa made you happy. So you buy recliners to match. Your DVD collection grows from 20 titles to 200. And you drink expensive hot chocolate made from Peruvian cocoa beans. Soon your house is so full of stuff that you have to buy a bigger home and rent a storage unit. But none of this makes you happier. In fact, all of your things become a burden. Rather than adding to your fulfillment, buying new stuff actually detracts from it. And I'm I'm chuckling to myself here because my girlfriend's voice is in my head as I'm reading that part. Because I've I I she calls me a hoarder. I'm not a hoarder, but I like to collect things, right? I, I love vintage things, antiques, and and I find myself always collecting stuff. And and then it creates an issue of where the hell do I put it? And then the house is a mess, and then you're upset. So I'm, I'm relating to this a bit. Uh, granted, I'm not buying anything crazy expensive, but more than I, I actually need. And it does lead to frustration when the house is a mess and you feel like you know you can't just comfortably um, get around or do things that you want to do in the house. You know, you always have to like move something to uh, I don't know, turn on the radio per se, or like to to play a, a record because I love vinyl. I have to like move something off of, you know, move some antique shit off of the top of the stereo thing, right? So I, I get what they're, what they're saying here. Now, in the chapter, they go on to say the sweet spot on the fulfillment curve is the luxuries section where money gives you the most happiness. You've provided for survival needs. You have some creature comforts and you even have a few luxuries. Life is grand. Your spending and your happiness is perfectly balanced. You have enough, right? So it's this idea of of having a few extras that genuinely bring you happiness, right? They were talking about, you know, hot chocolate on a winter night and you have a nice couch and, you know, you have a few DVDs to choose from, right? Um, DVDs, that, that that's another, uh, that makes it, this article sound so old. But I think the principles of it um, are universal, right? They, they never age. Um, but But it's the idea that, you know, you have all of your safety or creature comforts and then you have a little bit of extra to kind of play with and to to enjoy, right? You have enough that you can actually enjoy it, uh, and 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 I think this is incredibly important because I think that we oftentimes get so caught up in making more money and wanting to buy more things that we don't value what we have, and we end up just trying to accumulate more and more, right? It's like we're trying to recreate that rush that we got from you know when we bought our first nice couch or something like that, right? Like I remember you know when I moved into my my place that I have now, that was the first like real large purchase that I made was like a couch that I genuinely love that was like my dream couch, you know, and and eventually you begin to take those things for granted and you want to get something else, another piece of furniture and, you know, and more expensive this or more expensive that. And and you're not actually doing anything that truly contributes to your own happiness, right? You're actually taking away your appreciation from from this this amazing thing that you got at one point that you know was kind of life changing, like my my couch was for me. And it's a reminder to myself. Now uh, they they talk about a lot of different things in this chapter, so I'm not going to read all of it again. I'll put it in the show notes if you want to check it out. Now they talk about a lot of different things in this in this chapter. I'm not going to get into all of it. I'm just going to kind of talk about what I think is relevant to our conversation. So I have a few more things I want to get into. But first, let's uh, let's pause for a second. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. 
I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling, and it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate, because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, we are back. And the next part of the chapter that I thought was really relevant that I wanted to get into was uh, where they talk about caught up in the rat race, right? And they say, typically, as your income increases, your lifestyle grows with it. When your boss gives you a raise, you want to reward yourself. You deserve it. So you spend more. All that new stuff costs money to buy, store, and maintain. Gradually, your lifestyle becomes more expensive, so you have to work harder to earn it. You think that if only you got another raise, then you'd have enough. But in all likelihood, you just repeat the process by spending even more. Psychologists call this vicious cycle the hedonic treadmill, though you probably know it as the, quote, rat race. People on the hedonic treadmill think they'd be happy if they just had a little more money. But when they get more money, they discover something else they want because they're never content with what they have. They can never have enough, right? And that's what I was, was mentioning. You don't have gratitude or real appreciation for the things that you have. 
you're always going to want more. And they go on to say, most Americans are stuck on this treadmill. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, in 1967, the median American household income was 38771 Back then, less than one-fifth of U.S. families had color TVs and only one in 25 had cable. Compare that with 2007, when the median household income was $50,000. And nearly everyone had a widescreen color TV and cable. Americans now own twice as many cars as they did in 1967, and we have computers, iPods, and cell phones. Uh, again, I, this article is a little dated, but the information is still good. And they go on to say, iPods, I miss my iPod. Anyway, life is good, right? But despite our increased incomes and material wealth, we're no happier than we were in the 60s, right? So the gist of what they're saying here is that currently in American society, we have more than we've ever had before. We have more excess. We have multiple cars, multiple TVs, right? Each of us probably have a TV in every room of our house almost, right? And and we at this point probably are subscribed to multiple streaming platforms and we have this, we have that, but we are no happier than the people who had, uh, you know, one TV if they were lucky in their house, right, in the 1960s, or we're not a happier society because we have all of this stuff, regardless of what the capitalist, um, you know, society and marketing and, and media tells us, these things aren't actually making us truly happier or more fulfilled. So the article goes on to say, how much is enough? And they say, quote, knowing that you have enough can be better than having billions of dollars. If you're obscenely rich but aren't happy, what good is your money? Contentment comes from having enough, not too little and not too much. But how much is enough? There's no simple answer. What's enough for you may not be enough for your best friend. And what you need to remain at the peak of the fulfillment curve will change with time. So enough is a bit of a moving target. It's tough to define enough, but there are some steps you can take to figure out what it means to you. And then they go on to, to list a couple of different things. And they say, understand your goals and values. If you don't know why you're earning and spending money, then you can't say when you have enough. So take time to really think about what having enough means to you. Discuss it with your family and explore the idea with your best friend. Is, is being debt free enough? Being able to pay cash for a new boat? Having a million dollars saved for retirement? Decide what enough means to you. Then write it down. If you don't have an end in sight, you're at a greater risk of getting stuck in the rat race. And I'm going to pause for a second here because I think this is resonating for me. And I think I haven't actually defined what enough is for me now that I'm thinking about it. I want to do some some work uh, after I'm done recording this. But I know that for me, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, like if you've ever had a goal in mind, I'm saving up for this thing, right? Like when I was going to buy my my first property, I did not have enough money for it. I was, I genuinely, I think I had $5,000 in the bank, right? And this is crazy to me, uh, how much just changes in a few years. I'm being completely honest with everybody and vulnerable. I had $5,000 in the bank, but I I saw what was happening in real estate and it had been a dream of mine for years to own an investment property and, and, and all these different things. And I kind of knew that it was time for me to, to shit or get off the pot, so to speak, right? That if I didn't, try to find a way to figure it out right now that that I would miss out. And and thank God I thought about that because this was 2020, you know, so I was was, you know, uh, man, really on the pulse of it, because if I would have waited even six months later, I would have been outpriced of every home in, in the area. Right. So I, I made it, you know, a goal of mine. And at that time, you know, the world was shut down. I couldn't DJ anymore. I was just surviving off of radio money. Um, and eventually I got my, my TV show, so that helped out. But 
I made a goal to save up enough for the closing of the down payment, right? Which wasn't a crazy amount of money because I, I was able to do the first time home uh, buyer thing of 3.5% down. But anyway, what that did for me was I, I spent less on shit that I didn't need. I ate out less. I didn't, you know, uh, go and, and buy random clothing or random shit. I was saving everything with the intention of I have this specific number in mind that I have to hit in order to achieve my goal of purchasing a home, right? And I'm sure we've all had different different circumstances uh, like that throughout the course of our lives where we were incredibly focused on what we were saving for and, and what we were, you know, trying to achieve. And that made us stop, you know, with the nonsense in our life. It made us stop going out unnecessarily, it made us stop buying random shit, whatever. We were incredibly focused and disciplined. And I think that that's what the importance is of having an end in sight in the macro, right? In the the larger terms, right? If we can have an end in sight as far as what is enough for us in the grander scheme of our lives, it allows us to have far more discipline and to not get caught up in that rat race, to not get caught up in consumerism and to feel like, oh, something's on sale, I have to buy it even though you don't need it, right? I think this begins to give us that that discipline and allows us to then put away that money for a rainy day because we've already established how much we actually need to live, feel comfortable, and to have that little extra. And, and I think that's kind of the, the gist of what they're, what they're saying and what I'm taking away from it. Now, moving on to some other things in the chapter that I thought were really helpful, they talk about seek balance. And they say, a balanced life is a fulfilling life. To find balance, you have to figure out how much is enough for you, the point where you're content with what you have and can say this much, but no more. Once you define enough, you gain a sense of freedom. You're no longer caught up in the rat race and you have time to pursue your passions. You can surround yourself with family and friends and rediscover the importance of social capital, the value you get from making personal connections with people in your community. And because you no longer feel compelled to buy more stuff, you can use your money to save for things that truly matter. And I promise you, I hadn't even read that part yet. And that's literally what I was just talking about. And I'm going to make a note of it, uh, of this chapter, because I want to come back to it for our mihente segment when I talk a bit about my life. And they go on to have another another part of the chapter I thought was really interesting where it says it's not about the money. And they say, quote, if vast riches won't bring you a peace of mind, what will? And they say in a 2005 issue of the Review of General Psychology, Sonia Libomirsky Cannon, Sheldon, and David Chikadi, these are some tough names. I'm sorry if I butchered them. Looked at years of research to figure out what contributes to chronic happiness as opposed to temporary happiness. Based on their survey, they came up with a three-part model. They say about half of your happiness is biological. Each person seems to have a happiness set point, which accounts for roughly 50% of your sense of well-being. Because set point is genetic, it's hard to change. Next part is another 10% of happiness is based on circumstances. External factors beyond your control. These include biological traits like age, race, nationality, and gender, as well as things like marital status, occupational status, job security, and income. Your financial situation is part of this 10%, but only a part, which means it accounts for just a fraction of your total happiness, right? So 10% of your happiness could be based on on things like your your race, which obviously as people of color, as Latinos in this country, uh, we've had a bit of a tough go of it at, at, at times. So that does, in fact, affect our our happiness. And again, these are doctors talking about this. And then the last part of this, this sort of um, balance that they're talking about, right? The three part model for, for a happy life is 
is when they go on to say the final 40% of happiness comes from intentional activity, the things you choose to do. Whereas circumstances happen to you, intentional activity happens when you act by doing things like exercising, pursuing meaningful goals, or keeping a gratitude journal. So obviously, it's easy to get a bit disheartened, you know, when you think about uh some of it is out of your control. Some of it's genetic with your happiness. But that still is a large chunk. 40% of your happiness is coming from, from external things, right? Uh, coming, from, coming from internal activity, right? And, and what you decide to pursue and, and what meaningful things that you decide to set as far as goals and, and, and life and intention and all those kinds of things. And I know for me, you know, I'm still figuring out how to perfect this balance, if you will. But I know finding meaning in the work that I'm doing and 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 making that decision, that leap to just focus on that has been incredible at kind of really helping me grow as a human being and find far more balance as far as my happiness goes. Now, they're going to say living a rich life. Now, living richly means figuring out what to spend your time, money, and energy on and what to ignore. Since you can't have everything, you have to prioritize. This means spending money on things that matter to you and skipping on the things that don't. Psychologists generally agree that a life well-lived is rich in security. It's hard to be happy when you are consistently worrying about how to pay the bills. If you have money, you don't have to worry about these things. Next thing is relationships. They say true wealth comes from relationships, not the dollars and cents. And the last thing they say is experiences. As explained in the note on how money affects happiness, memories tend to grow more positive with time, but stuff usually drops in values, both actual value and perceived value. Right. So when you make a, a positive memory, it tends to become even bigger in your mind with time. Whereas they say any material thing you buy begins to, you know, uh, devalue with time. Right. The older it is, the less valuable it becomes. And they say the bottom line is that if you can't be content, you'll never lead a rich life, no matter how much money you have. The key to money management and happiness is being satisfied. It's not how much you have that makes you happy or unhappy. It's how much you want. If you want less you'll be happy with less. This isn't a psychological game or new age mumbo jumbo. It's fact. The lower your expectations, the easier they are to fulfill and the happier you'll be. That's not to say you should lead uh, an aimless life of poverty. Quite the opposite, in fact. But most people confuse the means with the ends. They chase after the money and stuff in an attempt to feel fulfilled, but their choices are impulsive and random. Their, quote, retail therapy doesn't address the root cause of their unhappiness. They lack goals and an underlying value system to help guide their decisions. So I, I threw a lot at you with this one. I I found it helpful for me. There's like I'm reading it and talking to you. And I'm like, man, I gotta apply certain things that they're saying and like, you know, really, you know, define what I want. And I've been getting at this in my in my life at this stage right now. And I've been doing this to myself of like defining a number in my head and and what exactly is like the dream and and what exactly it is that I want. But in seeing this, I think I have to get a lot more clear. And I think that's what I'm hoping that you get out of what I what I was just reading from this chapter. And again, I'll put the show notes if you want to dive a little bit deeper into it and, and have time to kind of just like highlight stuff that makes sense for you. Um, I think that's what I'm going to do when I when I'm done with this. But I, I, I just think the gist of what they're saying is this happiness thing is incredibly personal to all of us, right? And it's not just solved by money. You know, obviously, like they said, money helps. It provides security. It provides comfort, all of the above. 
But you also have to find what happiness means for you, what that balance is, what are the things that genuinely bring you joy? You know, what are the things that you're passionate about? And you have to explore those things and embrace those things and live a life in accordance with those things. And, and that's where you find that happiness. Money alone will never solve your, your depression or your, your unhappiness. You know, uh, retail therapy alone may bring you some sort of short term happiness, but you're really just uh, kind of silencing the, the bigger issue, which inevitably, as it always does, will come up once again if you do not deal with it. Right. And again, I think the biggest thing I take away from that is the idea of balance. Now, I want to talk about that a bit for, for my own personal life, because I think that's something I've been really focusing in on. And I think that that's kind of um, a bit of why I was so motivated to do this episode, because I, I kind of feel like when you do TikTok clips and Instagram clips and whatever it might be, people are really getting a small portion of, of what it is that you're talking about. And even sometimes with the podcast, if you're hitting one angle, um, there, there's a lot of other conversation and nuance that I think gets left unsaid inevitably. So I think for me, I want to really dial into what I'm talking about with the idea of not allowing yourself to fall into you know the tropes of a capitalist society and what it actually means to be balanced and, and define success personally for yourself. So let's talk about that in our Mi Gente segment. But first, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. All right, so the part of this that I like highlighted that I want to come back to for my own self was the idea of, of seeking balance, right? Because I think for me, that is the, the journey that I've been on over the course of the last year or so, uh, pushing two years now uh, with this upcoming um, new year. But I think for me, specifically, I'd say this last year, uh, there's a couple of different things. I think having left my previous employment of, of you know, my last full time gig was a part of, of finding that happiness and diving into that passion, which they talk about is incredibly important. But I think for me, specifically this year and, and the end of last year, getting into a place where I felt really financially secure. Right. And, you know, when you're self-employed in the way that I am, obviously you're, you're only but so secure. And I mean, I think if you're in a regular job, you know, you only have but so much security. You know, uh, we could all be fired, laid off, canceled, whatever it is. Right. But, but I think for me, what I've come to realize is that now that my uh, security is is taken care of, right? I, I have some some money in the bank. God forbid anything happens. I'm not having issues paying my my bills, right? I'm I'm not living beyond my means. I have creature comforts and I do have some luxuries and probably maybe even too many luxuries I gotta get rid of. But now that I have that aspect taken care of, I I recognize that that alone wasn't what made me happy, right? I, I thought that that would would be right because I, I have stressed about money for you know the better part of 10 years uh you know or, or more you know um you know from my 20s till now of you know watching everybody else get good jobs and things like that and i've been hustling and trying to make my dream come true right and and you know money was always something that uh i was self-conscious about and then having that problem solved i i recognized that i needed something else right i i needed uh, the things that come along with that freedom, because that's what I gave myself. You know, I I gave myself freedom financially and also time wise. I I'm my own boss. I get to choose when I record, when I do this, when I do that, what I say yes to, what I say no to, and I have the the freedom of time to kind of do different things. And I'm, I'm incredibly busy, but I get to at least pick my own schedule. If I want to go to fucking Trader Joe's uh, on a Monday at at noon, I can right, and and that's the the beauty of the life that I'm I'm living. But I, I also realized I have to begin then to kind of rediscover the importance of social capital, the steel line from from what we're talking about, you know, investing in in spending time with the people that I love and making that a priority. Right. Uh, and making time for for my family, you know, and, and I've talked about this a bunch, but I, I hang out with my parents far more than I, I ever did, you know, and that's a priority for me at least once a week. I need to figure out some time to, to spend, you know, with them and uh, and. And I try and, you know, um, make it a priority to like, you know, eat dinner at a normal time when, when I'm with my, my girl, you know, so we can have that time together. And I'm trying to get better at all those things. Right. Whereas before I would be like working from the time I got up till I went to bed and like 
I'd be eating while working essentially, right? I didn't have time to sit down at a dinner table or have lunch or any of those things, right? So recognizing that that is all an important part of, of, of my balance, right? That the, the money alone doesn't just bring me happiness. I have to interject all these different things. And even friendships, you know, I, I had a lot of friendships based upon convenience and people that I work with. And I recently have been trying to get back in touch and connected with, you know, some of my core friends that, that I grew up with, that I think share a lot of the values that I do. And that's something that I've been recently uh, trying to do and, and carve out some time to, to spend with them, you know, people that I genuinely care about. And, and that balance has been, you know, super, super helpful for, for my own happiness and fulfillment, you know, and uh, I, I guess it's a long winded way of saying that I got all the things that I thought that I wanted, essentially, right? I, I got financial stability. I got a job that I'm happy doing. Um, I'm owning my own businesses. I am having freedom, both time and financially. But I recognize that that is not enough. There's a lot more to that puzzle, you know, in order to really find true fulfillment. You know, I have to, again, have real personal relationships with people and, 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 and you know, and uh, make sure that each day I'm scratching my creative itch and all these different things to, to really find that fulfillment that, you know, it's not just going to come from one place. And I think that's what we have to recognize. Happiness, fulfillment doesn't come from one area of our life. It comes from, from you know, uh, the, the different aspects of ourselves kind of coming together and working in unison, right? You know, the, the part of us that wants that financial security has to be happy. The part of us that wants to do work that we're passionate about, the one that wants to have hobbies, the one that wants to be social, um, you know, the, the one that wants to have fun, like all of these different parts of ourselves have to be working in unison for us to truly find happiness and fulfillment, right? Like, Wealth alone doesn't make all of them work in, in unison, right? That's why it doesn't actually bring you fulfillment because when you're focusing just on the wealth aspect and you're blindly just trying to build wealth, it, it you're, you're, you're maybe going to have more financial security, but the other parts of you are going to be ignored and there's going to be this internal struggle happening because you are so out of balance, right? And that's something that I, I realized. And I think for me, a lot of the gist of the conversation I was talking about um, on, on the, my TikTok was saying that, yeah, wealth and, and, and having security is great. But once you get to that point where you've achieved what feels like enough, or at least provides you that sense of security, the idea of chasing more blindly with no actual goal in mind is going to make you incredibly unhappy. Like I, I used the example on TikTok when I was responding saying that I would rather be making $200,000 a year doing something I absolutely love than making $500,000 a year doing something that I'm miserable at, right? And and yeah, those are large numbers, right? And and those are, are privileged numbers that I'm throwing out there. But my, my point is that you, of course, hustle. You bust your ass till you get to a certain point. And once you develop that idea of enough, that end game in mind, again, as I'm using this asinine example, let's say $200,000 is that number for you. Then beyond that, you can say no to other opportunities that might come through financially, right? You have the the ability to have choices, right? I know for me, I am incredibly blessed that I no longer have to be DJing in the club every Friday and Saturday night in order to make ends meet, right? Uh, I, I can DJ whenever I feel like it. I can say no to a gig. I can, you know, for, for the way it's been recently, I DJ like once a month as far as uh, clubs go. And that's been enough for me just to have fun, right? And and that's what we should all be chasing because I'm, I'm 
choosing to spend my time doing things that I genuinely love and enjoy rather than just feeling like I have to say yes to them because I'm in need of that money or I need to collect that money. I have an end goal in mind. Right now, what I'm making is enough for, for where I want to get to right now. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not you know still building. I'm not trying to create new opportunities, but I'm creating opportunities that I still will enjoy that can also be uh, you know, financially uh, a, a success for me, something that, that brings me more money. But that's the key. I'm setting that boundary. Yes, I want things that bring me more money, but no, am I willing to do things that I'm not enjoying or that, that make me miserable, right? That's the thing. I'm only going to come up with ideas or accept opportunities, generally speaking, unless it's an exorbitant amount of money. You know, I'm only going to accept opportunities that that check both boxes. Do they make me happy? And do they bring me that that income that I need? Right. And when I say exorbitant opportunity, I mean, like a one time, you know, DJ gig at like a a, a sweet 16 in Dubai that pays a million dollars. Like, yeah, I don't I don't want to DJ a sweet 16, uh, but I'll take that that million dollar gig one time to set myself up. That's the type of stuff I'm talking about. I don't mean like long-term job that makes me miserable. Um, but again, it, it's it's setting that for yourself. And maybe you're not at that point and that's okay. But hustling is is only uh, a, a, a positive route when you have an end in mind. You can't blindly be hustling your entire life and expect that that's going to maintain itself. It's like a you know, a professional athlete, like they know that they have a small window in their life where they're going to be an elite athlete capable of competing at a high level. And that's what you have to look at, you know, hustle culture is right. Like an athlete, their body, a football player can only take but so much punishment, right? Many have a, a career spanning. It's like eight to 10 years or whatever it is. And, and, you know, if you do more, you're lucky. But generally speaking, most people's body can't handle that sort of punishment for that extended period of time, right? So they're putting themselves through that with an end goal in mind that in 10 years, I'm going to retire, I'm going to hopefully be wealthy and set up my entire family and be good to go, right? And that's what you have to do with hustling, right? I, I was guilty of just blindly hustling and hustling with no real end goal in mind. And, and I burnt myself out. And I think that's what we have to, you know, sort of get to a place of. And that's what I've begun to recognize is that the goal is never to be extremely rich or wealthy. The goal is to actually have what I have right now. I'm not incredibly wealthy. I, I need to you know, mind my money and, and not be stupid about my purchases. But I've achieved freedom. I've achieved the the ability to, uh, you know, explore my passions and to make money off the things that I'm passionate about. That's winning. Am I going to make myself feel bad for uh, the fact that I don't make a million dollars a year? Fuck no. Am I going to burn myself out and and waste time with my friends, family and loved ones um, just to, for the sake of trying to make a million dollars a year for no real reason? Of course not. It's not worth it to me. You know, I'd rather uh, turn down a big DJ gig on a Friday night so that I could spend time, uh, you know, relaxing and and catching up on rest and, you know, watching uh, the White Lotus rerun uh, with my, my girlfriend. Right. Like that's what I'd rather be doing with my Friday night. Uh, and, and that's the, the, the thing that brings me happiness is being able to find that balance and be at that point in my life right now. And I feel like I rambled a bit into what could be conclusions, too. So let's just kind of get right into that tie everything we talked about in a neat little bow in a segment we call Conclusion Stew. Time for Conclusion Stew. All right, so I, I rambled a bunch uh, about my, my own story and, and kind of the takeaways, I think, from, from this bigger conversation that we're having. But I, I think the gist of it all, right, is money, success, wealth, enough, 
all of those things are incredibly personal and and you have to decide what that means right what does enough mean what does success mean what does living a rich life mean you define that for yourself right and i think that's incredibly important to be present to the fact that life takes some defining right you have to set parameters and boundaries in your life or else you're just blindly going to be diving into opportunity after opportunity and you'll be burning yourself out uh blindly chasing money for for no real reason whatsoever like you have to have parameters when it comes to to life and and making sense of what you know is important to you and i also think in the grander scheme of of like our own happiness we have to realize it's like a recipe you know it's not just one thing right like you know if you're you're just eating you know uh chicken and there's no seasoning or flavor or anything like that it's just fucking chicken that was thrown there cooked and you're not going to be very pleased with it right like yeah it might nourish your body where you're not going to die but you're going to get sick of it very quickly. You're not going to enjoy that meal. It's not going to bring you much joy, right? So what makes it actually enjoyable is the seasoning, the the flavors that are thrown in there, maybe the side dishes that are, you know, uh, accompanying it, some broccoli, you know, some mashed potatoes, maybe a little house salad on the side, right? That is what creates an enticing meal, one that provides you with fulfillment beyond just like nourishing your body with something, right? And I think we have to understand that our health and our happiness um, requires all of those different components as well, right? Like you, you have different parts inside of you that that all need to be heard, that all need to be seen, that that all need to be taken care of. And when you're just solely focusing on one thing, one aspect of that, you are then ignoring all those other parts of yourselves, right? And what happens when you ignore like a, a child? They begin to throw temper tantrums. They begin to act out, right? And and I think the other parts of ourselves sort of act in the same way, you know. Um, again, that's why this this sort of TikTok comment of like everybody needs to be chasing high value jobs, high dollar amounts and all this, that and the third. Sure. But that can't be the only thing that you are allowing to uh, sort of lead your life or to think that that's going to bring you actual happiness or, or that that's actually even really all that important. And again, yes, you have to cross a certain threshold to where you then feel safe financially, you know, where your needs are being met. And like they said, that fulfillment circle, you know, uh, where you have your creature comforts and then you have, a, you know, your, your little extras. Right. But beyond that, just randomly chasing money will make you ignore all the other important aspects of your life and leave you feeling incredibly empty. Right. And again, I go back to that quote when it comes to, uh, you know, the therapist who, who works with billionaires talking about how many of them lack a, a, a sense of, of purpose. Right. Because they're they're only focusing on on accumulating more wealth. They're not actually doing anything to feed the other aspects of themselves, right? They're literally just focusing on this one portion of themselves and ignoring the other, and it leaves them feeling incredibly empty. So I can't tell you how much money you need to make. I can't tell you how to live your life. Do I think that you should be uh, building for the future and try and have something you can pass on to your, your kids and future generations and to build upon what the previous generation did for you, of course, but you have to have an end in mind. You have to be able to define what is enough. You know, for me, I know that I want to be able to own at least three rental properties, right? In addition to like my dream home, that is what is enough for me because that is something that I know will provide me financial security as well as something I know I can pass down to future generations. 
now to obtain those things, I'm still not willing to go and take a nine to five that I'm miserable at just because I might get that thing quicker. I'm not willing to sacrifice the freedom that I've created in my life in order to get that, right? I understand that uh, that may slow me down from getting those things, but those parameters allow me to enjoy the journey uh, rather than being miserable the entire time while trying to get this thing and then wondering why I'm not actually happy, right? I understand that I have to also keep myself happy and keep all those other parts of me feeling seen and heard and happy while building up this other thing, right? And I, I think that that's the idea of balance that they talk about. Uh, and, and for me, that's what success is. If I own three rental properties and my dream house, but I was miserable with my nine to five, that wouldn't be happiness or success for me. And the happiness and success for me comes from the idea that I'm going to have all of those things while still walking in my purpose, while still making money doing things that I love and having the freedom of time to spend with the people that I genuinely care about. And I think that's what you have to define for yourself. All right, I blacked out a little bit on that one. Hope I didn't ramble. Hope that helped y'all. Hit me in the DMs at DJ Dramos on uh, Instagram if you resonated with this. I appreciate y'all giving me feedback all the time. It just like gives me something to build off of. Um, I've seen you guys doing it on different episodes. I always respond. So I appreciate that. I love y'all. Thank you for, for listening. Dramos.com for that merch. Like, subscribe, comment, rate, wherever you, uh, you know, listen to the podcast. And uh, that's it. I'll catch y'all on Thursday for our Thursday Trends episode. Till then, stay safe. Talk soon. Peace. Life as a Gringo is a production of iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens. But trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.